The New South Wales government has a plan to offer first home buyers the option of paying a large amount of stamp duty when they buy or an annual land tax of a much smaller amount. And this may well be rolled out into other states and territories if it turns out to be a successful policy. But what do you need to know before you choose your option? Welcome to your first home buyer guide, the podcast for first home buyers who want to get it right. I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyers agents and probably old enough to be your mums. But that's a good thing because between us, we've got over 40 years experience and we are going to share with you bucket loads of stories about avoidable mistakes. Together, we're going to make sure that you get unbiased and real information that you can rely on so you can get where you want to be without missing a step. Now, we've got loads of great tips for you in this episode. And if you'd like more useful tools, head over to the website, homebuyeracademy.com.au. There you'll find free checklists that you can download, a free mini course on how to price a property and our where to buy workshop for only $39. Priceless stuff, really. Bargain. But before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode, here's the boring bit, the disclaimer. You of course know that nothing in this podcast is to be taken as personal advice. We always recommend getting the advice of an expert in their field of expertise. Now we've done our very best to ensure that the content is correct at the time of recording, but things change. So check with the relevant government authority or your advisors to get the most up-to-date information. talking about choosing between saving up another 5% or uh, roughly on top of your deposit for stamp duty or committing to an annual land tax bill of a much smaller amount. What are the implications for each option? But before we get into that, what's your special house this week, Megan? Looks like we're back to your house. Yeah, regular listeners will remember in episode 92, I introduced you to my home, my renovation, which kicked off at the start of this month. Now, this is the start of week three. Demolition is done and the house raise is well underway. If you haven't lived in Queensland or owned a timber house, that sounds like such a bizarre way to renovate a house. You're not adding another story on top. You're actually lifting the entire house and putting another level underneath. Now, so far in one day, they have raised the house about 50 centimetres. They've moved the house forward 1.6 metres and to the right, 0.2 of a metre. Now, it was the most fascinating process to watch. I was just so enthralled yesterday. I, I couldn't leave the site. I kept taking videos and photos and I got so sunburnt because I wasn't expecting to be there. But it was a really, really interesting to do. Now, she is currently in her final resting place and will go up another more roughly 900 um, so it'll end up about three metres um, at the, the highest point. It is a fascinating process. So they jack it up further, nearly a metre. Yeah. And the classic is, I'm looking at you, Megan, you do look very sunburnt, so I can see the worst. <laughs> so red. <laughs> <laughs> and after, you know, I, I really get onto my kids in the morning, put your sun cream on. <laughs> and naughty mum, she wasn't out there with a hat on either, obviously. I was um, at the last hour, but that was way too late by then. Too late. Damage was done. <laughs> I have to say, I, yes, being a New South Welsh person as I am, I do still find it quite bizarre that you can, you know, shuffle your house along on the site, which is just it, incredible. <laughs> and also that that doesn't then result in all these cracks. And I imagine that's what the builders have to go through later on and, and you know, 
pin back any any weatherboards that are falling off and cracks in the plaster and all the rest of it. So it should be uh, very interesting. I can't wait to see the the next stage. The I progress. Guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, what are we talking about today? In September 2022, the New South Wales government announced that first home buyers purchasing properties for up to one and a half million dollars would be able to choose to pay an annual property tax instead of stamp duty. And, you know, it's an interesting one, this, because despite the fact that a number Sounds of governments. Attractive. Sorry? Sounds attractive. It does. And we'll go Let's into this. Delve into it. <laughs> yeah, it's not straightforward at all. And it, there's a lot of variables. Um, mm. And also there's there's some calculators, there's stamp duty calculators and all the rest of it we'll include in the show notes, but even that's not straightforward. So we really want to put the spotlight on some little anom- anomalies here, unusual uh, aspects you need to be aware of. Mm. Because, you know, despite the fact that a number of governments have been looking at ways to replace stamp duty with land tax, um, and the ACT have already done this, right? So, and it's it's seen, stamp duty is seen as an inefficient tax for a lot of reasons, right? And the New South Wales government previously had a different plan about getting rid of stamp duty and replacing it with land tax. It was a bit more of an ambitious plan, but they've had to water it down to now only apply it to first home buyers. Mm. And they're saying that it will only be payable by first home buyers, a new tax, who choose it and will not apply to subsequent purchases of a property. But I say watch this space because yes. I think governments have made their intention. Like trial. Well, that's it. And it's also they've got to uh, break it down, this sort of challenging legislation, into palatable chunks. And also the New South Wales government, we're looking at an election next March, so they don't want to do anything too too scary. They want mm. to be seen to be helping first home buyers. But I, I really do think watch this space. I think that it's quite clear if you do pay any attention in the, uh, to what governments are talking about in this area, mm, there is a definite desire to replace stamp duty with land tax, a broad-based land tax. And look, so, they've got a lot of lessons to learn from the Queensland government's failed attempt to make mass changes to to land tax, um, mm. which has since been repealed and ha- oh, actually hasn't been repealed, it's been shelved. Uh, that may come back out again, but it was um, ill thought out, illogical and, and poorly planned. So there's a, there's a lot of state governments that are doing um, some investigative work and hopefully will prepare themselves better than the Queensland government did. And and perhaps this is New South Wales's little lesson that they've learnt from that is, you know, don't roll out mass changes um, with, without seeing if it's actually going to work first. Well, that's it. And certainly that was unpopular. If we just sort of digress a little bit, the, the Queensland government was planning to really hike up the land tax uh, bill for investors. And so that was, it's funny because I think some governments do think that investors are like a, an easy target. Like it's a cash like, cow. Yeah. yeah. Whereas first home buyers are seen as, oh, the poor first home buyers, they need a hand. Um, let's pitch it as helping first home buyers. You know, mm. let's, you know, it's mm. like a Trojan horse. Tug, I think. Tugs at the heartstrings, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. And we did, we did, actually did an episode on that land tax and then it was shelved. So we, we didn't release that. So if you're wondering what we're talking about, it, 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 um, it has actually been shelved and, and hopefully won't come back again. Yeah, you never got to listen to it, listeners, because it was shelved before we really actually good. published really it. Episode, no. <laughs> <laughs> we do try to keep this Thank stuff current. Thank goodness it went. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we were happy to scrap that episode that we'd recorded for you. All right, so let's let's kick off with what's in this New South Wales thing. And, and bearing in mind that even if you're not looking at buying in New South Wales, these are principles to be aware of because they, they may well end up in your state or territory. Mm. Um, 
In New South Wales, there are existing stamp duty concessions for first-home buyers, and they're available for purchases up to $800,000, right? And these will continue. That won't change. And what that means is that up to a purchase price of $650,000, you're not paying any stamp duty as a first-home buyer, and then it's sort of phased in up to $800,000 where you pay the full whack. Yep. There's so, a lot of qualifications that are criteria too, uh, Veronica. It's, you know, you, you and your spouse, you can't have owned previously. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't have owned or co-owned residential property in Australia. You um, must not have received an exemption or concession under the first home buyer's assistance scheme. So lots to think about here and explore. And you must move into the new home within 12 months after buying the property and live there for at least six continuous months. And that last one is actually very important Mm -hmm. because as we'll get to, what I discovered is that the land tax for investors is a lot more than the land tax for owner-occupiers. And we'll go into that. I I guess I'll explain that in a minute. Well, now, actually. Is that under (laughs) the new new regime or is that existing? Because in Queensland, your principal place of residence is exempt from land tax. So is that the case in New South Wales as well? Yes, it currently is, yes. So what will happen though, well, what does happen? If you are an investor and you own a property in New South Wales that has a land value, and let's just pull that apart a bit, the property's value that land tax is calculated on isn't the purchase price, isn't what the property is worth as a whole. Mm. It's based on the unimproved land value. So if you've got a, it's a, imagine it's a block of land. It's however the value of general values that block of land. If it's an apartment. Not even the market value of running here. It's not the even market. general. So it's actually a, a government entity that places a value on that, that block of land, not what someone would pay for that block of land. So it's not Correct. the market value. And so that value of general's valuation, if you like, or the, the, the unimproved land value, that's what they base all the rates on. So your council rates and then obviously land tax are based on on that valuation. So it's very different. You can spend a million dollars on a purchase price, but the land value might be 400000 So the land tax is based on the land value and stamp duty is based on the purchase price. And so when prices are rising rapidly, your stamp duty bill is going up accordingly, whereas land tax takes a lot longer actually to be revised and start increasing. So they'll they'll assess it every year, and um, so it's a sort of a much slower, and it's a it's a assessed on a rolling three years value average, average or something like that. Yeah. So that yeah. So in terms of shocks to the actual land tax bill, there that you don't get as many shocks there. Whereas with stamp duty, you can get quite a big shock as prices <laughs> rise. Um, the thing too that as an investor, if there's a threshold under which if the land value doesn't reach that threshold, you don't pay any land tax, right? And once it's over that threshold, you do pay land tax. So there could be some investors or rent investors that might not actually have to pay any land tax currently, even though they're investors. There's also um, apartments. There's a land component with apartments, but it's obviously a lot less than a house. So if you've got a block of land with six apartments on it, that's the land value be divided by the, the, the lot owners of that, um, apartment building. So if you've got a big apartment in there, your your proportion of the land, your share of that land might be will be larger than say for a one bedroom apartment in the same block. But there's going to be a value attached to your portion of that land. Mm. So with uh, some apartment owners might not currently, as an investor, need to pay land tax, and others 
might. And also if you own more than one property, you're going to go over the threshold uh, in total. And so you'll be up for it. So it's it's a little bit complicated. So, and I think it's important to distinguish that that stamp duty is calculated on the purchase price, land tax on the valuation of the unimproved land. But let's just look at what stamp duty currently is on, say, three different price points. Okay. So let's have a look. I'll kick off this first one and you can go through the analysis. Yeah. So what is the stamp duty currently on a $1.5 million purchase? Um, and you've gone on to the state revenue calculator and put that information in. So this is directly from um, government sources. And that's $67,000 you would pay if you purchased a $1.5 million property as give an owner Give or take a little tiny bit. I rounded it up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or down. This is all owner-occupier rate rates. This is not investor rates. They yep. are different. And what about a million dollars? If you purchased a home for a million dollars or an apartment, then your stamp duty would be $40,000, give or take. Um, and then next one, we're going down a little bit, about $650,000. You wouldn't actually pay stamp duty if you were under $650,000 and one, $651. Yeah. So the minute you click over six hundred fifty thousand, you start playing stamp duty. So if you <laughs> and that, that you calculated that, yeah, did you ten dollars. That's $10 how much stamp duty you need to pay. <laughs> over, but I mean, oh gosh, I want to throw this in here, Veronica. We talk and talk and talk in the course about not letting these kinds of limits influence how you set your budget. So just because you click over $650,000 and have to pay some stamp duty does not mean you should not buy a better asset if it's six hundred and sixty thousand dollars. Correct. So, so we don't we don't want these limits to define how you determine your um, price range, uh, and and that's a really really important fundamental of, of making a good asset decision. Now you got to remember because the stamp duty is based on the purchase price and the land tax is based on the unimproved land value. It's not as simple as if a calculation as saying, well, if I bought any property for a million dollars, for instance, then my land tax is going to be x x amount of you know, years before it adds up to whatever the $40,000 is for my stamp duty bill, yeah, right? Yeah. Different properties will have a different equation, a different calculation because of their different land value. And that means that you do have to really go through an exercise to work out, well, what am I up for? And so I went through some examples and then we're going to talk about some variables, okay? So the first example is I looked at a property that sold for $660,000 mm-hmm. and actually looked at real properties because I have to punch in real you addresses. You find the, the land yeah. value that is, that is associated with that property. Exactly. At first That's I started not a doing... Guess. You can't guess it. <laughs> no, I started doing hypotheticals and then I realised uh, uh, I need real examples. This, is, this was a real sale, sold for $660,000. If... So if it was a first home buyer, that stamp duty that they would have had to pay would have been $2,073, right? That's as a first home buyer. Any other buyer would have had to pay the proper, you know, 4.8% or whatever um, stamp duty is. And the property tax, so if you're a first home buyer as of, now this is not going to be effective till next year anyway, but when it's effective, you would have the option to take the property tax, which on that property was calculated at $1,150 per year or the stamp duty. That's a no-brainer. That means that in less than two years of paying land tax, Mm. you could have paid your stamp duty. Yep. And then you wouldn't have land tax after that time. Yeah. If you just paid the stamp duty. You wouldn't have an ongoing land tax if it's your principal place of residence. Exactly. And we will get to that. Um, 
So I thought, well, that's a no-brainer. So then I thought, well, what about at 700,000? You know, what does that mean? Now, this is where it starts getting interesting because $700,000 purchase price as a first home buyer, uh, your stamp duty is $10,363. And the property tax is annual at currently, and I'll explain how this can change uh, coming up, is $1,414. So it works out to be roughly after seven years of paying the property tax, you've paid about the same as your stamp mm-hmm. duty, mm-hmm. right? So in that circumstance, that really comes down to how long are you going to stay there for, you know? And and also you might think you're only going to stay there for five years, but what if you stay there for 10, you know? Well, things so, change and, and you, you, you know, you're nest down and it's great and the community's fabulous and the schools that your kids go to or might go to um or you meet somebody and you you, you nest it up and and suddenly you're there for 10 that's adding up now yeah yeah so there's a bit of a, a lion ball one something like that then you crank it up to seven hundred and ninety thousand. now remembering that the once you get to eight hundred thousand, there's sort of no more stamp duty concessions but you're still getting a some tiny stamp duty concession at a purchase price of 790000 So the transfer duty is another word for stamp duty on that is $29,017. So, and thinking as well, that's $29,017 that someone's had to save up on top of their deposit to buy this property. Mm. The property tax based on that land value uh, is $1,522 per annum. So that works out to be roughly 19 years of land tax to equal the stamp duty. That's starting to look like a no-brainer. There's a, there's a pretty good picture forming here. A couple and of caveats, is- <laughs> which we will get to, just bearing in mind we are well, there's a couple of things you do need to be aware of. But, yeah, it's starting to look pretty compelling, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And and the I think the main thing is, the main message is, it's, it's property-specific. You almost mm. need to make the decision on a property-specific basis because that land value component is going to be different for every single property that you look at. True. And budget specific. Mm. I think that's important too. Because for instance, my next example uh, was a $950,000 purchase price, right? Now, the unimproved land value on that particular property was $383,000. Whereas that $790,000 example, the purchase price that I just gave you, that unimproved land value was $374,000. So 9,000 difference in the unimproved land value which means that the land tax or the property tax, as they're calling it, but the land tax is very little difference, even though the yeah. purchase price is so big. So um, there's $160,000 difference in the purchase price. And there's a whole episode that we need to go into about <laughs> why why land um, land values are so different, one property versus another, mm. but the price may be so vastly different. It has a lot to do with what actually sits on the land, how much yeah. you're paying for that versus how much you're paying for the land. But we digress. That is a whole nother, you know, it's, it's not proportion. You don't no. pay more for the land when you pay more overall for the purchase price. Exactly right. So in this $950,000 purchase price example, that transfer duty or stamp duty would have been $37,840, right? So that's a good deposit. Yeah, and that's, you know, the one before that, the example was 29000 This is like nearly 38000 That's only $9,000 difference in stamp duty. But the actual property tax, so the land tax on an annual basis, is only $27 per annum difference. Like, so this this is it. you got to get into the nitty-gritty here and understand property specific. So in this example, that's roughly 24 years of land tax. 
So you could live wow. in that house for 10 years. Yes. You know, you paid 15. Be well on, ahead. Yeah, well, well, well ahead. You're looking about 10 grand ahead, you know, if you lived there for just for 10 years. Now, I think, Veronica, we've also got to probably just throw in there that you would have to index for um, some potential increases in land tax over time because yes. land values generally do go up. There's yeah. no formula. It, it is based on market movements, but it isn't a market appraisal of the land. So you would have to apply and allow for some indexation of land value over time, which would increase your property tax over time. Absolutely. I've got some examples coming up on that because that's very, very true. And the other thing too, we're assuming that they're going to stay at the same rate of calculation. So currently mm. the calculation is the land value, right? So the taxes is calculated as $400 plus 0.3% <laughs> of the unimproved land value plus 400 bucks, right? That's how it's calculated. It. Pretty simple they- actually, because a lot of land tax is actually scaled. So yeah. the higher the amount of the land that you own, the more you actually pay as a percentage. So this one's actually a flat rate. Yeah, and that could change. Mm. So if they start imp- applying this to not just first home buyers, that might change. There might be a scaling come in. All this stuff is open to future change, and I think that's mm. one of the big things. All the opponents of this uh, are really sort of out there going, so, but what yeah. if it changes? How can you trust the government? Yeah. And, look, I'm sure it would never change uh, greatly, but even even adding a half a percent is going to make a big difference. So yes. you've just got to be mindful that these things can change. And I've just calculated these how many years of land tax um, you know, to pay the stamp some, duty. Some pretty strong assumptions under there, and I've, I think you've outlined yeah. those really well. Yeah, I've count. Yeah, I've calculated a flat rate. So just be bearing in mind, it wouldn't be quite that. Now, at the very upper end of this, because of course this this option caps out at a purchase price of one point five million dollars. So if if you're competing for a property and you've got that much money as a first home buyer, and you find that you know you want to have this option, you don't want to pay one point five. Um, million and ten thousand dollars for something because you won't be able to get this as an option. <laughs> you will then have to stump up the land tax. And I did an example of a property that sold for one point four eight million, right? So mm-hmm. twenty grand shy of the limit, mm-hmm. and the stamp duty for that was sixty five thousand six hundred, mm-hmm. right? So there's, you get your sixty seven thousand um, at the one point five million dollar mark, and the property tax on this particular property that I looked at was. Uh, two hundred so $2,392 per year. That's, and if I just did the flat calculation, that's roughly 27 years of land tax. Now that also, that's a bit of a no brainer, isn't it? Mm. Like even How if many you years index is that, does that 27, 27 years, yeah. you have to live in that home and pay tax on the assumption that the rate doesn't go up, which we're not suggesting that you make that assumption, uh, but 27 years. And and that's a, you know, the average person turns over, I think the ABS figures are, you know, around seven years or so. Well, interestingly enough, um, our treasurer in New South Wales, Matt Keane, has said that treasury figures say that the, was it, the, um, half of all owner-occupiers sell their home within 10 and a half years. Okay. So... And most ho- first home buyers likely to sell even sooner. So they're so they've they've got a big pitch. They want first home buyers to take this option take up. up. Yeah. Um, and just a couple of quick things in terms of indexing and land values going up. If you remember back the seven hundred thousand dollar purchase price example, I just mm-hmm. worked out that if land values were to rise by three percent per annum, after ten years, the annual land tax bill on that property would go up from fourteen. $114 per year. And after 10 years, that would be uh, $1,762. Mm. 
per year. Mm-hmm. So, and obviously it'd be gradual. It wouldn't be just be like in year one, it's 1,400 and year 10, it's 1,700. It would go up gradually, but that would be, that's on a 300%, sorry, 3% um, annual increase. Mm-hmm. If it went up by 5% per annum, after 10 years, a land tax bill would be $2,052 per annum. So, you know, it can go up quite a lot, but I guess in that time you're potentially earning more money and all the rest of it. But, you know, obviously that brings back that, that um, you know, the amount of years it takes before mm. the, the ledger is equaled, right? And this is something just to be very mindful of. You might even run your own calculations on this. So, Put in strongly a recommend you yes. run your own calculations on this. And when you're analysing an individual property, run it by your accountant or mm. someone who's really good with numbers. Or they've got Excel, you know, those little calculators yeah. on Excel. They'll be able to map it out for you and tell you, right, this is how many years you need to sell before to be ahead. Yes. <laughs> now, and then put some contingency in there. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, um, yeah, so it does actually make it very complicated you know, when you're trying to, to assess this. Mm. But I think the other thing that we need to talk about is the investor option because the stamp duty uh, option might become much more attractive to somebody, a first home buyer who is planning to, you know, live in it within 12 months for at least yeah. six months in order mm. to qualify mm. and then they're going to move out and rent it. And so, what do you find with this one, Veronica? Well, this is the thing, isn't it? So, you do need to be very mindful. So, I calculated the which one did I look at? I looked at the more expensive property in this example, uh, which was the $1.48 million property. So, let's just say I'm going to buy this property. I'm going to live in it for six months within the first 12 months, and then I'm going to rent it out. So, in my first year of owning that property, my land tax bill might be $2,392. And then in my second year, assuming the land value hasn't gone up, my land tax bill is going to go up to $8,804. Once it becomes an investment property. Once it becomes an investment property. And because what and the and the threshold changes, right? And the percentage changes. So the threshold, mm. sorry, the um mm-hmm. so what it is, it's still calculated the same land value, but instead of being four hundred dollars plus 03 percent of land value, now it's fifteen hundred plus 1.1% of land value. And that's the tax under this option for uh, investors. Okay, so Veronica, is that different to the current rates? Yes. So this is very interesting. With land tax, if you're an investor, there's a threshold, as I mentioned before, and it actually goes up every year. But if we worked it out for the 2022 financial year, the land tax threshold currently is 822000 So that's the unimproved land value. And what it's saying is that if you buy a property that's got an unimproved land value, anything up to 822000 then you don't have to pay land tax. As an investor. Then, as an investor. But the minute you buy another property or that value goes up over that threshold, then you, need, you start paying tax, okay. right? Yeah. So- this particular example that that I've used here, which is the purchase price of one point four eight million, the if you uh, are a first home buyer is going to live in it, you know, for a zip, for, and you know you're going to live in it always, right? Then you choose the option to pay land tax, and your annual bill is going to be, you know, two thousand nearly two thousand four hundred dollars, say as opposed to a, a stamp duty bill when you purchase property of around about 66000 So that's mm. a bit of a no-brainer. You mm. go, you know, mm. I'd rather spend 2400 per annum than pay 66000 up front, right, because I'm going to be there. going to be out of there in about 20 years or so or less, 
it probably might, the equation might add Yeah. But if you become an investor, if you move overseas and you decide to rent that Mm. property out, if you work in the state, go in the state, if you meet someone else and, or if even if you get divorced and you take the property in your um, divorce settlement, but you can't afford to live there. So you might move out, rent somewhere else and rent it out. Any of those sort of scenarios, you're going to be up for land tax, which will increase substantially. And so in that example, that your $2,400 per year, if you're owner-occupier, will go up to $8,800 per year if you become an investor. And that's assuming current rates, current in, um, the current valuation. So if that goes up, it's going to go up. Now, if you were an investor, not a first home buyer, or if you're an, even a first home buyer investor who just says, I'm not going to live in the place for six months, right? As in- So I'm not just, get the advantage of the first yeah, home buyer. Yeah, I'm just going to yep. buy it and then invest it out from day one. I'm not yep. going to worry about trying to get first home buyer grants. This is a classic example about where getting grants can shoot you in the foot. <laughs> if you're a total pure investor, this property with an unimproved land value of 664000 falls underneath the threshold for land tax, you wouldn't mm. have to pay a cent. So you would be... It's quite a, quite, quite a high threshold in New South Wales. It is a high threshold. Yeah. So if you're going to be the, an investor, you know, otherwise your calculation, so if you live there for your six months or whatever, I worked out at something like eight years of land tax and that's not indexed, right? So it would be less than that, which means if you're buying for an investment, I would want you to be holding that property for a lot longer than that. Mm. Right, you don't buy and sell as investors. Right, mm. you might buy and sell as owner as a first home buyer, as a stepping stone kind of stepping strategy. Stone. Yep. As an investor, you're not buying and you don't want to begin buying and selling. You know, there's lots of costs of buying and selling, and they erode your gains as an mm-hmm. investor. And this is a massive one. So, I would say, based on these calculations, if you are a first home buyer intending at any point to make this an investment, you've got to really get in there and understand the implications yes get some good advice around this because it looks good at a really high level like initially we're looking at that going wow you know 27 yeah no brainer that's that's a no-brainer but you start looking at the the trade-off or the opportunity cost of well under the old regime what how does it work if i do it under the new regime what's the difference there's a lot more to look at here than just making some really simple calculations and going, yeah, I'm going to opt for the land tax option because I haven't got to save the extra $65,000, $66,000. It's just not that simple. It is far more complex and there are so many assumptions that you need to think about. But there's also a lot of future gazing that you have to really think about. What if this happens? Mm. What if that happens? What if that happens? And it's like putting a will together. You have to think about all the worst case scenarios that could possibly go wrong. It's a horrible process to go through. What Mm. if, you know, one person dies and the other one doesn't? All of these sorts of scenarios, you really have to have a a good hard think about these things much more than, I guess, the simplicity as much as you and I do not like stamp duty, but the simplicity of stamp duty is it is what it is. Well, that's exactly right. So choices. (laughs) Let's just run through some of those variables just to sort of cement them, I guess. Um, The first thing is remembering the distinction that stamp duty is calculated on the purchase price, whereas land tax is on the unimproved 
land value as per the value of general, which means that you could be spending like that example there, or one of those examples, $160,000 more on a purchase price mm. and the land tax, sorry, the land value is very similar to a lower price yeah. property or yeah. vice versa. These things can move around. So just be very aware of that. Also that our apartments have a smaller land component than houses. So that's, and this is where it's that the government this is sort of divided up between the the um, contributions that are made under the body corporate or strata top, uh, strata plan. Yeah, and so obviously the uh, government calculator that you use to work this stuff out is based. You put in the addressing, so it will tell you based on you know their unimproved their land value. So you're not making a guesstimate on that, which is good, but be very aware of that. So a lot of limitations. Yeah, and obviously how long you're going to live in the property is going to be, as Megan was saying, you've got a crystal ball gaze and you've got to try to work <laughs> it out all your sorts future. Of scenarios. Yeah. It makes a big difference though. makes a really big difference. Nobody um, goes into a property purchase thinking, uh, what do we do if we get divorced? But you've kind of got to. Or anyway. how are we going to outgrow this property? How long mm. are we really going to be here for? Mm. Um, the price you pay, obviously closer to that sort of $650,000, the bottom end of it is less benefit than there is at the higher price. So that makes a big difference. Mm, mm. And then the land values can vary, as I mentioned before. So just really make sure you get into that. Um, Let's do, do just a, a quick dive into that because I think it's important. It, it could be somewhat confusing for some people to say, well, why when a property goes up by $600,000 between one purchase price and another purchase price, hasn't the land, why hasn't the land gone up $600,000? Like, shouldn't it be proportionate? And we, we really just touched on it earlier, but let's dig into it just for a minute because I think it's important because there's a big difference between um, what you pay for the land and what you pay, oh, sorry, there's a differentiation between what you pay for the land, the land component, and what you pay for the thing that sits on it, which is the improvements like the house, the pool, the mm. apartment, um, the age of it, all of those sorts of things. So the more you you could have a, a piece of land that is um, under the value general's eyes, the same value as a place next door. But what sits on top of it might be, you know, a nice, simple three-bedroom, one-bathroom, low-set brick on concrete slab with a single garage. You're not paying a lot for the house that sits on that land in that case versus perhaps an architecturally designed three-level, five-bedroom, you know, smart-wired, you know, all the things that that add up to differentiating between your little three-bedroom and your, your, your quite significant architectural um, piece, masterpiece that's sitting next door. But the land can actually have the same value and, mm. and that's why there can be a difference, no difference really in the land value, but a lot of difference in the purchase price because it's what sits on top of it. Yeah, absolutely. So then you could say, looking at those variables, that um, somebody buying the unrenovated shack might be better off to think about paying land tax, uh, sorry, stamp duty in some yes. cases than somebody <laughs> buying the architectural, you know, masterpiece next door. So Absolutely. these Absolutely. <laughs> and I think that's a key point, isn't mm. it? Because it can make a really big difference. Um, and, and if you're going to knock down the track, knock that house down, or, you know, we, we look at from an investment point of view, we actually assess the land content by looking at the unimproved land value as a percentage of the purchase price. And for investors who are looking at a, a long-term capital growth perspective, 
they want the highest percentage of land that they possibly can because they're not focused on rent. That's not so important. That's what the house gives or the piece, Mm. the thing that's on top of the land, but it's the land that they focus on from a capital growth perspective. But often when you're looking at a home, you're looking at, well, what, how do I live in this? What features does it have? What sizes are the bedrooms? What is the layout? You know, that more functional um, livability aspect of what actually sits on top of the land as opposed to what the, I reckon a lot of people wouldn't even know what their land is worth um, from a value general or a site value perspective. Yeah. Do you find that sometimes? Absolutely. And I forget myself, to be quite honest. I mean, I, can, I know where I can get it and I check every now and then, but, you know, it doesn't sort of matter. Until the rates <laughs> come in and they go, yeah, yeah. we've re-averaged your three yeah. years to, to this. Mm-hmm. And and I think there's an important thing to that that is, is really, you know, something you only learn after a lot of years' experience, and that is that you can contest land valuations. Uh-huh. And yeah. if someone has contested a land valuation and been successful and actually got their land valuation reduced, you may get an a terribly difficult surprise if the next time the valuation comes in, it's back to, back up to mm. um, a, a reasonably assessed um, range, and it's vastly different to what you purchased and did your, your figures on. So, lots and lots and lots of factors to, to take in, uh, to take into account when you're deciding whether it's stamp duty or land tax might be the yeah. best option. Yeah, because you're not really in control of that ongoing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I hate it when I get a land tax bill. You know, for my investment properties, and I sit there and I go through it and curse and all the rest of it but anyway um yes every every year you're going to get that every year you're going to you're going to look at your value going up not necessarily as an advantage you know like <laughs> yeah. you're thinking oh bugger that's got up because it costs you more whereas <laughs> yeah. if you paid your, your stamp duty your principal place of residence you have no land tax you want your value of your land to be going up <laughs> yes. so you actually have really you know converging um desires <laughs> what you want your land to do it's a bit bizarre isn't it now when will this happen well the government's um really intending that legislation will be introduced to parliament uh, before the end of this year, and eligible first-home buyers who sign a contract to purchase on or after the 16th of January 2023 will be eligible to opt into the property tax and not be required to pay stamp duty in order to complete their transaction. So that's mm. that's 16th of January next year. And eligible and I, first- I imagine you can't change your mind, right? Once you've made your choice, that's it's, it. It is, it, exactly. Um, and so basically they're saying that... Um, even after they've done the legislation, and if anyone buys a property after it's legislated, between the time when it's legislated and the 15th of January, so before the actual official date, they will also be eligible to opt into it. Mm. Um, although it does say, uh, this is what the website says these purchases will be required to pay any applicable stamp duty within the usual required periods. And from 16th of January 2023, will be able to apply for and receive a refund for that duty. So, God, what a bloody ridiculous set up <laughs> this is going to be expensive to administer isn't it oh, i know but anyway <laughs> so so once it's passed through parliament that is they're obviously very confident it is going to be passed through parliament um they're, they're talking as if it's better complete that's why we're doing this episode mm. um so you can get your head around it before it becomes law but you know that's you know they're they're certainly intent, uh, thinking that it's going to go Strong through. Strong intent there, isn't it? Yeah. And obviously once it does, you can get into the property market a lot quicker if you don't need to save the stamp duty. But yeah. not everyone, as I hope we've um, we've shown today, will be better off by taking the land tax option. As always, consult your professional, the expert in their field, which in this case is most likely going to be an accountant or accountant-type person. 
In this episode, we've covered a very small part of our 10-step online course for first-time buyers. If you would like to learn more about the process and how to buy without making a mistake, then head over to our website, www.homebuyeracademy.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you like what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review. Five stars would be wonderful. It will help others find us as well. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found this really useful. And if you have, please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with some more priceless stuff. 